Never got our intro. How does it start? <laughs> welcome people no, to no, our no, show. No, 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 no. Hello and welcome. I know, I know. Hello and welcome to Now Fear This with Becky and Marie. The podcast about all the things that scare the shit out of us and a few things that don't. And, uh-oh. It's knocking. It's my cat. Hold on. Oh, Walter. <laughs> this is running the intro. First, no, I forget fine. the I like intro. the cat noises. Those are fun. And then, now I've got to get rid of Walter. Hold on. All right. There we go. Poor Walter. He's going to try and kill you. Um, What are you fearing today, Becky? After that amazing intro. <laughs> <laughs> um let me see i'm fearing that people i meet who listen to the show aren't fans of the show (laughs) are you encountering people that i met somebody last night who has listened to the show i just met her last night yeah where where did you meet this person at a restaurant or no i was at a um it was a get together of a friend of mine but then it was like 20 women who i didn't know I only knew three people who were there. And this was like an extended friend of a friend who asked about me. And I don't remember how it came up. I was like, oh, well, I do a podcast. Oh, and she goes, and I was like, what? She goes, I've listened to your show. Because she goes, I recognize your voice. I think it's kind of, she goes, wait, you're, I go, now if you're this. And she goes, yeah, it was kind of funny. I go, yeah, I'm the Becky of now if you're this, Becky and Marie, you know, she's oh my God, I've listened to your show. (laughs) Was she like, wow, you're much prettier than you sound? (laughs) Wouldn't it be funny if you got like, if you got feedback? Instead of like, you're prettier in person or like, you're you're uglier in person. It's like, you're not as pretty as you sound on the radio or whatever. Right. Um, I don't use it. But so what did she say? Did she say like, I like it or I just, I clicked on it a few times and I was like, what the hell is this? That's what I'm fearing. I fear that she didn't like it because she didn't tell me how much of a fan she was. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I have listened to your show and then crickets. And I'm just sitting there waiting for the. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that I get that all the time from friends of mine. Oh, I listened to a little bit of your show or. I tried to listen to an episode of your show. That's something people say sometimes. But they just couldn't finish. They couldn't make themselves do it. Well, they don't, they don't elaborate. They just say, oh yeah, I listened to your show. Another person said we were pleasant to listen to. I mean, I. That is not a word I would use. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's all you're going to get from somebody is, oh yeah, I've listened to your show. And Mm -hmm. the, the cool part for them is that they just met somebody that they listened to that they didn't know before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. what about what about you? What are you fearing today? Well, um, I'm fearing your reaction to a movie that I made you watch. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, are we gonna go through that movie? Are we gonna Yeah, so cut to was it like two weeks ago? Yeah. I saw a terrible movie. I mean, it was really bad. Like there's occasionally when a movie turns a corner and it's just like something to hate watch like we've talked about before it's just terrible and I really really wanted to get your reaction to this film because I thought the amount of vitriol you have to certain films would be pretty hilarious and it's it's Halloween too so there's not a lot of Halloween movies out right now Uh, there's like Candyman Halloween Kills and then 
Malignant, the movie that I had you watch. <laughs> Why did you do that to me? <laughs> so oh. let's just walk me through. Let's just walk through the movie. So by the way, there's going to be spoiler alerts here, but I don't think. Don't worry. Anybody... You don't want to see the movie anyway. No, nobody's going to like legitimately want to see this movie. And there's nothing we're going to say that's going to spoil anything. because Or make you want to watch it. No, and you're actually going to have a lot of fun watching it, just not horror fun, more like comedic yeah. value. Yeah, yeah, that's what it needs. That movie, Malignant, deserves a mystery science theater, the people's couch, <laughs> you know, like, it's like the swamp thing or something from the 50s. It's just that bad, that bad. It, it is. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who don't know the director, James Wan, James Wan rose to fame from the Saw movies. Have you seen any of those? No. Torture porn is not Yeah, Saw, Saw is definitely torture porn. And then he did something called the Conjuring series and the Insidious series. Those are more like Those are good. Yeah. They're very scary. Supernatural. Yeah. But lately, some of the things he has been making, like the last Conjuring movie was just not good. And... So we were like, ooh, what's going on with James Wan? And then Malignant. And I was like, holy moly, what is going on? But I think sometimes when directors have this fame and fortune that he's found, like to have three series that are just multi-billion, probably billion dollars. Probably, yeah. Yeah. And he's just under a lot of pressure to pump out new material. Wow. Then stuff happens. Wow. Then malignancy happens. (laughs) Everybody's got cancer from this malignant thing. This thing was unbearable. So where do you want to begin? Um, There is a woman who, at the beginning of the movie, she's in an abusive relationship. And she's pregnant. And her husband at the time, like, slams her head into the wall. And we think that maybe he's harmed her to the point of death. But some creature comes into the house that evening when she's locked herself in the room and kills him very violently. And now a police investigation ensues. Well, this woman has clearly got some mental problems. You would agree with that. So she's starting to like see murders. And this part of the movie is actually kind of creepy and scary, I think. And it had promise. I mean, the acting was very like porn-like the whole time. Yes, the dialogue was very porn, porny. Porny. The, the acting <laughs> very was very porny. porny. I just was uh, waiting for someone to deliver a pizza and the bounce took about <laughs> while to start. It yeah. was... Were you surprised there was no sex in the movie? I didn't, there wasn't. It seems like there was everything else painful that could have happened. Yeah, there was absolutely no sex. sex. Isn't oh. that crazy? Yeah. Oh. Um, um, so then she starts having these visions. But I want to like, just mention the vision because this is the one thing that was scary and could have been creepy in the film was she's trying to block out this evil presence that's stalking her. We don't know what it is. And she locks herself in a room. But then all of a sudden the room starts to disappear and it's like this kind of cool, wavy, shaky effect. And now she's stuck to the floor and she can't move, but she's in another environment where she's seeing a murder take place. Yeah, but then somebody gets pulled through a clothes dryer, and then I was like, <laughs> you, you even took that and potentially creepy thing and made it just... True, true. I mean, it was like, 
We literally got pulled through a clothes dryer. Or was it a washer? I don't know. I don't I think care. it was one of those old washers. But let me back up to the beginning of the movie. Because the beginning of the movie, I don't know the actors' names. And some of them were really good. So I'm not insulting the acting. They were trying their best. But the woman who plays a doctor, she's like in this. You think she's in like an experimental... Like she's an evil doctor in like this experimental Nazi Germany kind of environment thing. Mm-hmm. And then she's got this corny dialogue and she just goes, it's time to remove the cancer or whatever she says. And you're like, right. oh, God. Oh, my God. And then that's fast forward 20 something years later. So the beginning oh, of the right. movie is already like this. It's it's so it was just embarrassing. It was just embarrassing. It was I forgot about the very clear. beginning. The way she delivered that line was I'm sorry, honey. That was just painful the movie does start in an insane asylum and there's some evil presence there that i mean you get the impression that there's like a young boy that has a cancer that needs to be removed and it seems like most cancer just makes you really sick and feel horrible but this cancer gave this kid like supernatural powers (laughs) that's what it was yes yeah that's what it was and do we want to just reveal the ending so we can oh get yeah, yeah 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 we're gonna reveal the ending so anyway she sees a bunch of murders and clearly somebody who was at that mental institution is getting their revenge and like murdering all the doctors that were involved and all the people that were involved yes and, and this police officer has the unlikeliest name too it's yeah. like ron kazoo or something i don't even know kioa <laughs> kioa <laughs> shaw is the name yeah and like he, and then he and the girl have like a a flirty thing. No, it's the girl's a little sister. Bit creepy the sister. So the main character, Madison, the one that gets hit in the head, as the movie goes on, we start to reveal that she is the kid from the beginning that was going to have the tumor removed. Uh, she's adopted by a family and her little sister goes to like a mental institution at night that's in mint condition, even though it's been closed down for 30 years. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So this is, I want to find that text thread where I was live tweeting at Marie when I was <laughs> watching this horror show of a horror movie. And and I was like, this isn't really a thing. People, this happens. In these movies, you told me I was going to shit my pants with a poop emoji and a pair of pants emoji. <laughs> oh, and I called the actress, the poor man's Bryce Dallas Howard. She totally was. Totally. Uh, Oh, I would love it how the only time abandoned mental hospitals are accessible is at night. And how if you go into one, you can always find the records they left there. And then the videotapes are in mint condition. Right, right. Yeah. So she goes straight to the records of this place that existed for decades. She's by herself. That's a really good idea. And then she goes right to the person who she's looking for. Their records are right there. Like, you know, yeah. we're just. And, and the police don't follow any procedure in this one. <laughs> Not one. They don't call for backup. They and the cop shop in the movie was like my living room. It was like it looked like they were sitting in like a I don't know like they they just walked into the first soundstage they could find and threw a desk in it. It was was terrible. Yeah. Oh, painful. Anyway, big reveal. The videotape shows that the main character has a parasitic twin coming out of the back (laughs) of her head, (laughs) and it's the worst. It's like a Jim Henson Muppet comparison. <laughs> it's like, I mean, isn't that the point where you're just completely thrown out of the movie and it's like WTF? Oh my God. But the twin also has superpowers. 
So this thing turns into this, she starts moving backwards and upside down and flying. (laughs) And, and like, she literally wipes out an entire like police, like she's the Terminator. Like the entire police force gets wiped out. Everyone comes at her with guns, but she dodges the bullets like the matrix. It's just, I, was the I, city San Francisco? I don't know. They were trying to turn oh. into Seattle or San Francisco. I mean, she killed so many police officers I mean, in the Central Police Station. There was like nobody to call back. <laughs> it's this weird thing. It's this awful, disgusting face that's coming out of the back of her head with pygmy arms and legs. And it looks like a half skeleton, half human. Yeah, and we're supposed to believe that it was hidden in her hair and nobody noticed this entire time. Well, well, I do have the answer <laughs> for that. So it gets very confusing at a certain point, right? So at a certain point. <laughs> <laughs> so the parasitic twin got swallowed up into her head and it was hidden. But then there's this line of dialogue where when she got adopted, her new sister filled the hole in her heart so she didn't need Gabriel, her parasitic twin, anymore. So the head slowly closed up. But then when her husband banged her head into the wall, it cracked her head open and Gabriel came out again. My God, really? Yeah, that's that's in there. You weren't paying attention, Becky. By that point, I'd started reading a book. <laughs> I don't you? even know. Like, this was <laughs> Were you incredible. heavy into a bottle of Chardonnay by that point? <laughs> yes, I was trying not to drink because I was going to do a TV show. And this thing drove me to drink. No, I don't even remember. I just did I Curtis just, watch with you? No, he wasn't there. Oh, he would not have gotten past five seconds of that fucking thing. <laughs> um, but you saw it in the movies. You, I you saw it in a the theater. theater. Were people laughing out loud, or oh, I was laughing out loud? Like when they showed the parasitic twin on her head, I was like, <laughs> "This is the funniest fucking thing." Uh, did Did you laugh? I did. I laughed. We were. <laughs> We were commenting the whole movie like we were not being polite at all. There's a scene at the end where she takes control of her body again. And Gabriel, a.k.a. her parasitic twin, turned around backwards, has picked up a hospital bed and thrown it onto her adopted sister. And when she takes her body back, she's about to lean over and lift the bed up. And the sister goes, no, Madison, it's too heavy. You'll hurt yourself. And Madison says, no, it's my body, too. I have the same powers that Gabriel does. <laughs> and she lifts the hospital bed. And my, I was like, oh, my gosh, I hope she's not lifting with her back. That's going to cause <laughs> that's going to cause a hernia. <laughs> that would have been a better ending for this movie than whatever it was we got. She gets a hernia and has to go into surgery. We see her going into surgery and <laughs> hernia. And then Gabriel pops out of her head and kills everybody during surgery. Oh, my God. So, all right. So that's a good 20 minutes of us telling you about this awful fucking thing. Right. We do have a point here. If you don't know what a parasitic twin is, this is a real thing medically. It It is a thing. And there was a Stephen King story based on that. The movie had Timothy Hutton in it. And... It's the idea that there's another body that gets absorbed into your body, which sometimes happens and you never know it. There are people who have this, who are born with this thing on the outside of their body with extra legs and extra organs. It just doesn't have a brain. Right. Basically what happens is, so twins is like 
a cell that divides, right? A fertilized egg that divides into two, but sometimes it doesn't properly divide. And then you get conjoined twins. But then there's other times that when it doesn't properly divide, the more viable embryo starts to absorb the other embryo. And so one develops a little more slowly, but is still attached to the the viable embryo. And then whatever develops ends up being attached to the person when they come out of the womb. It's pretty disturbing. I read a lot of examples like there was one example where a fully formed head formed on someone else's head and the head would cry and blink and smile but had no other function and honestly how horrific would it be I mean there's stories of people like with another person coming out of their chest and Mm -hmm. like you would kill the person if you remove the parasitic twin this is definitely something in the realm of horror for sure so Have you seen the picture of the baby born recently with the parasitic twin coming out of her stomach? Yeah, I did see that one. This is remarkable. And you can find it on thesun.co.uk, y'all, if y'all want to go see it. We'll put our sources on our website, fearthispodcast.com. There's a baby girl born with an actual head with an actual face on it coming out of her torso. It's a remarkable picture. And they were successful in removing it, and it did save her life. But in the past... I was reading some really tragic stories about people who, in like the 1600s, 1700s, you know, they wouldn't have had the technology to have them removed. And these people just had to live with this thing, like dangling off of their body with extra arms and legs. And this one guy had a being with genitalia dangling off of his torso. And it would do things that genitalia does, like excrement and things, you know, like all that. Um, biologically they know what the reason for it is but they don't know what triggers that event and there's really not anything that can be done in utero to solve it once it's in progress it's just that's that so doctors today like so they'll know it's coming but then they have to wait until the baby is born in order to deal with it there's nothing correct yes there's no in utero treatment of it Hmm. for whatever reason I'm not going to say it's really, really common, but it's probably more common than you would want it to be. Hmm. It's interesting to me to think about what we as humans hopefully have evolved a little bit, but what we used to find entertaining, like freak shows back in the day, Barnum and Bailey had freak shows in their circus and there would be these people who had a twin dangling from their body or a parasitic twin dangling from their body. There was the quote unquote bearded lady or the, um, gosh, I don't know, lobster, what do they call him? Lobster Lobster boy. Lobster boy. Dog face boy. But I'm glad they don't do those anymore. You know, we don't tour people around like they're zoo animals anymore. But it was also, I was doing some reading on twins in fiction that people are fascinated by as a symbol of terror in some way. Right. Like it is something that is used in fictional, in horror movies and TV shows where twins will be like something we're supposed to be scared of. Mm -hmm. You know, The Shining comes to mind and I don't watch American Horror Story, but I read that that was part of a plot of a season of that show, that there's something about twins that just freaks us the fuck out, you know? The idea that there's somebody that's um, genetically identical to you is creepy. I mean clone movies are pretty creepy too right 
Ooh, yeah, that's true. There's not a single clone movie that has a happy ending. The idea that you're not unique, that there's someone that's genetically identical to you. I mean, there was a documentary that came out a couple of years ago about a government experiment where twins were being separated. So there was an adoption agency. Three identical strangers? Three identical strangers, yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's actually been a few documentaries about this, but basically they were separating twins and triplets at birth and running experiments. They put them in different families with different types of parenting styles yeah to see if it made a difference in terms of how the kids turned out and then because of a local newspaper article there were triplets that found each other and then discovered what had happened to them there is some connection between twins as well that is a little deeper than say regular sibling connection and i say this not even just with identical twins but with um Twins that don't look identical. Paternal. Paternal, yeah. You just hear all the time that they have some psychic connection. It's such a theme that I actually believe it's true. Yeah, that stuff's really interesting too. That there's something more to who we become than just what our brains decide to do. There's something built into us physically. You know, just like when people get a heart transplant, they start taking on characteristics of the person whose heart they have and things like that. And that's a real thing. Right. Yeah. And then if you think about like nature versus nurture, there's a whole thing there, you know, but these particular, like where we're talking about with parasitic twins throughout history have been um, experimented on. I mean, Nazis, right. you know, with their uh, twins, Nazis did studies on twins. And it was one of the things that launched the eugenics movement was studying twins. And if we did this to this one and this, and we didn't do this to this one, what happens and what makes them different, you know? Right, so, it's perfect control group, right? Yeah. So they exactly. so they think. Exactly, but. exactly. Which again is the thing that happened with the three identical strangers in the seventies, that they were told they were a part of a, you know, a, a study. And that that's why the social workers came to ask them questions every year on their birthday or whatever. But they didn't tell them that they told none of those parents that they had two other siblings out there, which is Unforgivable. I mean, how do you do? I don't know. But um, we're talking about malignant and the creepy things having to do with siblings and twins. I was thinking about this movie and I'm like, is there a metaphor here? Like the idea of someone doing bad things, but blaming it on something within them that they don't have any control over. Mm hmm. That seems to be a theme amongst serial killers. and Oh, I think it is, yeah. <laughs> um, and the idea of having an identity that is responsible for the crimes that you commit, mm-hmm. which is the central theme of this movie, is she wasn't in physical control of her body when she was committing all these horrible crimes. And I do think that's something that people do. I think people have tried to blame dissociative identity disorder, what we used to call split personality, where I didn't do it. That was my, you know, my personality named Joanne, and she was my protector back when I was a 10-year-old or whatever. So yeah, I do think historically people do that. Um, But I don't know if anyone has ever tried to blame their parasitic twin. (laughs) One of the things that was interesting is there was a guy who had a, a parasitic twin dangling from his stomach back in like 1700s. And I believe it was Italy. 
he got into a bar fight apparently and the dude made fun of his you know other person dangling from his stomach and the, and he killed the dude who made fun of his twin and then he went on trial and one of his arguments was you can't put me in prison because you'd put somebody who's innocent in prison and the person who's innocent is dangling from me so you have to let me go <laughs> and so people have asked that question which is a genuine question of what if one conjoined twin say the conjoined twin commits a crime and the other one does not do both of them go to prison what do you do well that's kind of the gag whenever there are movies or it was the same thing with the american horror story because they had a conjoined twin that what if one of them starts dating Uh there was another series called carnival that had a freak show aspect to it but there's always this like well one of the conjoined twins gets a boyfriend or a girlfriend and then the other one has to like kind of lay there and endure. <laughs> <laughs> well, there were some famous conjoined twins from, you know, let's say the ni- early 1900s right. or whatever. And they both married and had a ton of children. Yeah. So that's a real thing. Yeah. So what the hell do you do? I've always wondered about that. Let's privacy, please. I don't know. We put on the headphones, earmuffs. I don't know. I think that the thing that they did in the movies I watched was they would pull a curtain that like covered the other person's head. <laughs> Awful. Honestly, I just wonder if I had a parasitic twin, if I would just like want to like whack them, you know, <laughs> like I can't even stand it when I have a blemish. So I just don't think I'd do well. Oh parasitic twin the parasitic twin is like a big giant version of a pimple basically (laughs) so let's get back to the crime part of it which is what malignant is about i think i'm not even fucking sure what that movie was actually about i mean come on does anybody really know no no this this movie is very deep it's about the killer inside (laughs) of all of us (laughs) there's layers of meaning um, no, there's not. There's absolutely not. Unless Listen, there's, it's to- there's a lot of people that are split on whether this is a good movie. There's a what? lot of people. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot of people that feel that we I do. Am- but there's some people that are like, oh, this is like this artistic expression. And it's a style of filmmaking that's meant to be campy. And it's based off of like a certain Asian style of filmmaking where the, or, or Italian style of filmmaking. Yeah. There's a whole article I found where they're trying to explain away the bad effects and the bad plot and bad yeah. script and the bad. I mean, like, yeah. well, they're wrong. This movie <laughs> is horrible. This movie is unwatchable. And the part for me, it's not even the plot. The plot didn't bother me. I think you could have taken that plot and made something really interesting with it. But the execution was so bad. But if you really wanted to explore the question of could something inside of you beyond your control take control of your body and commit acts of violence, I think that's an interesting question. I I really do. You know, well, and to me, I thought it was going to be a cancerous tumor. I didn't think it was going to be a parasitic twin. And I think that's more realistic than my parasitic twin made me do it. Mm -hmm. It's some sort of because you do hear all the time about tumors. changing people's personality especially Mm -hmm. if it eats into that part of the brain that impulse control is that Mm -hmm. the what is that part the is it the hypothalamus i can't remember Uh, we're not going to get all scientific i literally studied it and it just left my brain as soon as i stopped studying it yeah i don't know 
but that that stuff's interesting too. That part, what parts of your brain do what, you know, and if you affect this one part of it, does that take you away? And I know somebody who underwent brain surgery and was warned, you might not have the same personality when you come out of this. I mean, that's got to be scary too, you know? My dad had brain cancer and when he had surgery, they removed a big portion of his brain and he was a different person afterwards. Hmm. He lost his short-term memory right before the surgery was the finale of Babylon 5, I think like before the whole series ended. And he wasn't able to see it before the surgery. And then literally every day up until he got really sick, he watched the finale of Babylon 5 again every morning. Because it wouldn't stick. Yeah. But he also lost impulse control. So he wasn't a guy that ever used profanity, but like after the surgery, he was using profanity a lot and stuff like that. That's common. I've heard that too. Yeah. So then if he had committed murder, you know, because he didn't have impulse control, would he have been responsible for those actions? I mean, honestly, that's a realistic scenario. Like, I guess because that- one of the things, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I guess we put a lot of stock in the idea of biblical good and evil. And a lot of times we don't think about the scientific part of why people do things. No, that's very, very true. The idea of impulse control all by itself is something that is a hallmark of people who are callous, unemotional diagnosis. But then what if you have no impulse control because there's some damage to your brain that's nothing to do with you? But then we also can go back to most serial killers did have a head injury when they were kids. Most of them, not some, most, you know? And that does, that does affect it. But I'm fascinated by the idea of going into court because there's a, you have committed a crime or you are on trial for a crime. Then you just try and claim that had nothing to do with you, even though it was your body that did it. I think that stuff is, and it does happen. It does happen in the legal system here in the U.S. And, um, okay, I'm going to tell a couple of crime related twin stuff. There are many cases across the world of identical twins blaming their identical twin for a crime they committed. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of cases. There's one that's still going on right now where the guy in France, there was a serial rapist in Marseille. And the serial rapist raped at least six women. And the DNA led to two men, identical twins. And when asked to identify the attacker, the victims recognized the twins, but didn't know who had assaulted them. And police don't know who to prosecute. Isn't that crazy? Because their DNA is identical. So there's absolutely no way of knowing. Well, here's what's interesting, too. This is from the BBC.com, is that there are some scientific discoveries of people who are, you know, doing genome typing. And that when this is a quote from the article. The human genome consists of a three billion letter code, says uh, George Gradle. This is a German scientist who's working on this. And he says, if the body is growing or an embryo is developing, all three billion letters have to be copied. During this copying process, there are typos happening, he says, referring to slight mutations. And we can now type DNA in some situations if there's enough DNA or I don't know what the situation has to be. But you can find a few dozen differences out of those 3 billion now. And so there are all these cases. There's one in the U.S. that happened. There's one, I think, in Argentina that happened 
where twins are blaming each other for crimes. And they're saying, well, you might not be able to do that for too much longer because we're going to be able to find that little teeny tiny difference. Because you know, in the court of law, where they'll go, there is a one in 19 trillion chance that it's not this guy. But there's still that chance, you know, out of billions of genomes. But anyway, I thought that stuff was interesting. But what I'm more interested in is the motherfucker who would point the finger at his twin when he's the one who fucking raped people. Can you imagine being on the receiving end of that as the twin who didn't rape people or didn't murder people to have your twin point the finger at you? There is another scenario here, Becky, that you may not have thought of, which is that space aliens. No, not space aliens, but thank you. Thanks for playing. One has Uh, to wonder. (laughs) That both twins are raping or both twins are murdering and they figured out that the way to get away with it is to point the finger at each other. That is something that has happened before too. Yes, I've watched multiple crime shows where the police didn't know where they arrested both of them, but they didn't know who to put on trial because they were pointing the finger at each other. Right. So Mm -hmm. to me, that's a pretty good strategy to get Mm -hmm. away with it. It seems to me more likely that twins would rape together than one would be a rapist and the other wouldn't be. But that's not based on science. That's just my opinion right at it this just, moment. Your source is your ass. <laughs> my ass. <laughs> Pull it right out of there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The um, source is the Atlantic Times. <laughs> <laughs> So there was one case that it's not related to twins, but it refers back to the same question that you asked at the top of the show. And ladies and gentlemen, this rain is, if you are hearing the storm, it's because there's nowhere I can hide in my house and have the storm not be a part of my life. I actually don't hear the storm. You don't hear it? Okay. Because if it it comes through on the recording, I'm so sorry, but the rain is too powerful. It's too powerful for me to get away from it. I don't hear it. Okay. So there is a case of a serial killer who did try and claim because they became a different person, they were not responsible for the rapes and murders of sex workers in Tacoma, Washington. Do you know that story? I don't. This one is fascinating and it's so wrong on so many levels. This person who murdered three sex workers and left them kind of like the hillside strangler did in LA and would just leave them on the side of the riverbed in the middle of the city. And it was just a very strange thing that they couldn't solve this, this case. And they finally figured out why. And that is because the person that it led to eventually was a woman with male DNA. And this woman had undergone sex reassignment surgery after the murder spree. When they arrested her, she literally claimed that she was not the same person anymore, and therefore they couldn't prosecute her for the crimes that Doug, the previous identity that this person was born with, didn't do it. So this person is named Donna, and Donna says, I'm not going to admit I killed anybody. I didn't. Donna has killed nobody. When pressed if Doug did, Perry replied, I don't know if Doug did or not. It was 20 years ago, and I have no idea whether he did or not. Isn't that something? That is. And actually, well, I would assume that most people who transition suffer from some form of body dysmorphia, right? They don't feel like they're the gender that they... Is that the word for it? Body dysmorphia? Is that it? I think it is. Forgive us if we don't get the term right, but we know what we're trying to talk about it. Yes. What we're trying to talk about, but the words might not be exactly right. Yes, you do from what I understand, feel like your 
body doesn't belong to you in a right, way that right. you are sitting inside of the wrong body. Mm -hmm. I mean, that would be a case where somebody is struggling with not feeling like the person that they appear to be mm -hmm. outwardly. So I could see some dissociative things happening with that, but I could also see someone just using it as a way to get away with a crime too. Yeah, I actually saw this one on a murder show and it was, I believe, a new forensic files. You know, they've got new ones now, which yay, because that show is like old, but they have new ones and this case was featured and they had Jack Halberstam, transgender and a professor of American and gender studies, said that these statements are very sketchy, desperate defense ploy and harkens back to the discourse on multiple personalities a decade ago that another personality has taken over my body space. It's an idea that we are simply competing personalities or selves, but nobody really believes that stuff. That research is now pretty much flawed. So as a legal if, defense, he says, putting away the science as legal defense is absolute nonsense. When people who are transgender are much more likely to be the victims of crime, not the perpetrators of violent crime, because that's the kind of thing that Fox News or whatever would latch on to, you know, and just go, see, look, these people are so screwed up. They go around serial killing, too. And then they just want to not be the same person anymore. We can't let them, you know. Yeah. Like, so I'm glad they, they had that person featured on the show to say we need to tamp down on this stuff because this is ridiculous. What this person is claiming is ridiculous. So I just looked it up. Uh, I think it would be gender dysmorphia. But oh, I think you're right. Yeah. But they do say that body and gender dysmorphia are interconnected. I mean, it would make sense, right? Because mm -hmm. the issue is the body parts are not exactly what you want them to be. Yeah. So let me just go back to this killer. Donna. Mm -hmm. Donna, thank you. So you had made a point that it's generally transgender people that violence happens against, not the other way around. Yes. We're making that point. Were these rapes and murders or were these just straight murders? What was going on? No, there were, this, this was... This person would pick up a sex worker and then rape and kill them and leave uh, a DNA behind. Very, yeah. There's a lot to unpack here. This is very like unusual crime. Yes, very. It just makes you wonder about what's going on with the transition part, because I think it would be unusual to have a serial rapist killer that commits those kind of crimes, but then transitions to become a woman. That's very odd. Yeah, yeah. But there are people who are in prisons for sex crimes who do say, castrate me or give me hormones so that I will lose any desire for any level of sexual impulse. You know, maybe. maybe. I don't maybe. know. I, I don't know. See, the thing is, it's a difficult conversation to have when you go, well, there are certain things you are and are not supposed to say about people who are transgendered, which I completely respect, but I'm not talking about that. But what if this person was using that? as an escape route and wasn't authentically experiencing what other people are struggling with, you know? I would say that there are certain groups in our society that we treat with kid gloves for sure. And that doesn't mean that just because someone is transgender, they can't be a sociopath or a murderer, mm -hmm. you know? Right. And also we want to put people in a box. Well, Donna wanted to be a woman. So therefore Donna wouldn't want to rape women. That's a judgment we're making, right? Which, right. if you go to a prison setting, I was thinking about Richard Speck, mm. you know, the guy that killed all the yeah. nurses. Yes. Apparently, he got breast implants. You've in not prison. seen pictures of that? Yeah. 
It's horrifying. Richard Speck killed nine nurses in one of the most horrific crimes you've ever heard of in Chicago. And in prison, there's pictures of him without his shirt on and he's got boobs. It's so weird. Again, because we like to classify everyone and we like to like have a very clear understanding of everyone. Like I had a friend once who was telling me about his boyfriend wearing Mariah Carey cologne. And I got so confused because I'm like, wait a minute. I don't even understand how it works. Is this a cologne that women wear to attract men? Like, because the cologne has pheromones in it that's mm-hmm. supposed to attract the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. But I think all this stuff just gets very confusing because we try to put it in a box. We try to go, well, you're gay or you're straight or you're trans or you're hetero. And that means these things all the time. And it doesn't always mean those things. Like a straight guy could still want to wear women's clothes. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about this cologne thing too. It gets confusing. Like I like men's cologne enough that I would wear it, but I'm not sure James would be attracted to men's cologne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. I don't know. I'm saying like all this stuff gets very confusing. And actually it relates to the original thing we were talking about, which is sort of things that stray away from what we perceive to be the norm. I took a biology class. It was a part of a theme in college. And there are so many things that have to happen in utero for someone to be specifically a certain way. And so you've got different chromosome issues. There are people that are born with both genitalia. Mm -hmm. There's like Mm -hmm. all sorts of things we don't know about. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so in terms of someone's identity, someone can just have a murderous identity. And within that, there's not boundaries like what we consider. So like, A lot of child molesters, for instance, will molest boys and girls. Yes. And they're straight, you know? I mean, straight men are the ones who are doing all of the molesting of the boys that they're, you know, and girls or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's the problem is our terminology, the straight, gay, trans, hetero, all that terminology is not fully descriptive of people. That's true. Yes, that's true. But I was thinking about this while we're talking about parasitic twins and the effect, what happens in utero and all those things. but. There's also a school of thought that has said, and maybe this is one of the things that literature and horror shows explore, is that there's some remnant of that twin in you that does affect you, you know, that if you are a girl, there's a boy in you, you know, a parasitic boy in you, that it does affect your hormones. And there are some people who do have both hormones and stuff. So I don't know. It's an interesting thing to think about what the, all of the shit that we don't know about what goes on with people how much of it could be that you don't have a personality disorder you just have another human living in your brain like you know totally this was another hbo documentary i watched i don't remember the name of it but they were interviewing people who at birth had both sex organs Mm -hmm. and the easiest choice is to remove the penis and so that's what they would do and then you'd have these kids growing up as little girls but feeling like they were not little girls. There's a whole thing about that I read recently. Yes. Yes. That, that that decision is something that a lot of those girls raised as girls want to go back and undo when they can later on in their life, you know, because from the time they knew what gender was, they knew they weren't that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, now that we're talking about this parasitic twin stuff, Stephen King did a parasitic twin story where the parasitic twin was causing murder. I think it's kind of what this was based on. What's the name uh, of the movie? The Dark Half. 
the dark half, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from 93. And it was creepy. It was creepy. There's a murder scene in that that gave me nightmares. Did you see the movie? I didn't, but I think we're on to something. I really do think that there's this uh, thing, Crazy Not Insane. Did you see that documentary? No, you it's told about me about the, it. Yeah, it's about the doctor who was promoting the idea of multiple personalities. But I do think that a lot of people in their mind, when they do bad things, they do separate themselves into the good side and the bad side. Yeah, that's a I very agree. common defense. Like you were saying, the guys that want to castrate themselves because they just can't stop it. Or I don't know, not all killers are like into it. I do think some killers are compelled by anger or lack of impulse control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Can we blame all of murderers on parasitic twins now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you'd have to do quote fingers, right? Because if you don't actually have a parasitic twin, then it's just more like a feeling. You've heard people say that, but you could say my parasitic twin did it. That could be the new thing. That's what I'm saying. What if we all did that? It's not going to fly. It's like the Twinkie defense. I don't care what your excuse is that you used to be a man and now you're a woman, you're a different person, or I had a parasitic twin, or I just don't think people are going to buy those explanations as a reason for murder. Although... What's her name got off? The, the woman you talked about a, a couple of months ago, the that bludgeoned the other woman to death. Candy Montgomery? Candy Montgomery, she got off. Oh, no. Didn't she say she had some split? Candy Montgomery hit her friend Betty Gore with an axe 41 times and was found not guilty because her mother was mean to her when she was growing up. Line forms to the left, Candy. But her mother used to tell her to shush. And when her friend told her to shush, she went into a rage and grabbed an axe and killed her. I mean, right. Somebody tells me to shush, I grab an axe. I mean, I mean, I guess if you get caught committing a murder, you're going to just use whatever defense you possibly can yep. to get off. I mean, that's yep. your right to a defense. Yep. So bringing it back around to the malignant movie. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I mean, do you think that Madison is going to end up going to jail for like killing the whole police force of Canada or San Francisco? No, and I even read today that they're threatening us with a part two of that fucking movie, threatening to subject us to part two. And I was like, how long can she really control Gabriel? (laughs) I mean, yeah, totes. Now that I think about it, I think we might need to do an episode where we watch it together. I think we should live tweet it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. What a bad movie. And it's rare. Like there's lots of bad movies, but this one is like bad, funny, like ridiculous. Yes. It wasn't so bad. I turned it off. It was so bad that I was laughing at how bad it was. Right. And I was enjoying the hell out of it as a background noise. Because every time I looked up, she was walking backwards at the speed of light and murdering 16 people at once with like a desk (laughs) and a pencil. It was insane. I was like, (laughs) she, I swear to God, didn't she murder like six people with a desk? (laughs) I've had a loathing for a while of movies that have villains that are so all powerful that nobody has a chance against them. It's always like, those monster movies where aliens come and like the aliens are like so fast and powerful that there's just no way to defeat them yeah 
Mm-hmm. Usually those kinds of movies annoy me. And I felt that they never explained how the parasitic twin had superpowers. Yes. Because in all my research of parasitic twins, none of them imbued superpowers onto the host twin. No, that's true. They usually just dangle with genitalia that smells like poo all day long. Right. It's just their superpower. Mainly ruins their twin's life. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's their superpower. That's right. To ruin the life of their host. A big bummer, yeah. So I yeah. guess that's one of the flaws with the movie is explain to me where the superpowers come from. I don't know, man. And for her to walk backwards and to... I mean, she she runs backwards at the speed of light. She bends backwards. She commits all of her crimes backwards. I mean, it is so dumb. I was just thinking about the police sketch artist drawing that monster. Like when you're describing something to a police sketch artist and it's stupid, don't you think they probably just go, all right, quit fucking with me? I think that when we did the show on the uh, satanic panic. Oh, right, right, right. Is chanting alm an invitation to a demon is the name of right. that episode. <laughs> and the children were like, oh, yeah, they did rituals where they flushed us down toilets. And the cop's like, oh, OK, tell me more. You know, right. I mean, yeah, this was a very bad police force wherever Madison lived. They were those two cops were like the worst. Uh, oh, my God. You know how there's like a whole movement to not have sexy nurse as a Halloween costume anymore. Have you heard that? No, because nurses should be respected, which they should. I agree. But I don't think making a sexy version of something means it's not respected. There's sexy versions of cockroaches, for God's sake. Um, <laughs> and teachers. It's a cockroach. But um, cops should be upset at the portrayal here. This was like, cops did not come off good in this movie. These cops were dumb. They didn't follow procedure. Mm-mm. They were hacking on the sister of the suspect. It was just, oh, it was horrible. It was just horrible. Detective Kiowa Shaw, very realistic name, really should have called for backup many times in this movie. And he was like lone gunning it himself. Yeah. He had superpowers too, right? Like Gabriel, the malignant parasitic twin, killed every cop in the precinct except for him and like his partner. Forgot about that. Why didn't he kill him? I don't know. See, I don't know. It's a coincidence. Too much of a coincidence, but I don't really care. We didn't reveal all the twists and turns of malignant. (laughs) Oh, if if we left one out, let's tell now because I don't want anybody to watch this fucking movie. Don't waste your time. And you went to the theater and saw this thing. Oh, yeah. I see lots of things at the theater I shouldn't. But do you do that thing where we go to, like, Alamo Draft House and you can order booze and stuff? So when we go to the movies, we always order a bunch of pizza and margaritas. Um, yeah, we've gone to the booze showings before. But there's certain showings, like horror films with booze or, like, midnight horror films with booze that you just shouldn't go to because the crowd is, like, very aggro and weird. We went so to go yesterday. See, sorry, go ahead. We went to go see a midnight showing of Amityville Horror, the one with Ryan Reynolds, and it was a booze thing. And some people got into a fight behind us, and a woman threw a coke on another person and stabbed somebody with a turkey baster. Turkey basters, yeah. Well, what were you going to say yesterday? This is like my favorite. I didn't tell this kid that he had said one of my favorite phrases I've ever heard. This was a twenty-something son of a friend that. Um, very sweetly and kindly gave me a ride because I lived so far away from where I was going. And so as we're driving, he's telling me a story about a girl he knows. And he goes, do you know the Gen Z girls with the dyed hair and the problems? I go, (laughs) yes, I do. (laughs) Like that was very descriptive. Yes. You know what? My nephew kind of said something similar because this girl 
walked past us. We were going to some restaurant and she had all these face piercings and like blue hair and tattoos everywhere. And I said to my nephew, I go, do you find that attractive? And he's like, well, based on the piercings and the tattoos and the blue hair, she's probably got issues. So I might have a chance with her. (laughs) So kind of similar, right? (laughs) You know, the, you know, the crazy hot scale. Have you heard that? Mm -mm. It's a thing that straight dudes talk about with other straight dudes. There's a certain level of crazy you'll put up with based on how hot she is. Oh, I do know what you're talking about. That girl's not hot enough to be crazy. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, because I was actually talking to someone about a friend and I'm like, I don't know why this guy is with this girl, you know, like she's such a jerk and whatever. And he was like, well, is she a lot hotter than him? So that's the thing, right? That was the crazy hot scale. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did he outkick his coverage, as they say? If so, then he will, he will He'll much stay, yeah, I'll stick with it. Then, and then I can turn it into something ugly because we're all about crime, but that's one of the issues with Gabby Petito's boyfriend who murdered her, who may or may not have been confirmed dead because his sketchy parents found his backpack in a tooth or something. I don't know. Um, that he outkicked his coverage and felt very intimidated by her because he thought she's the hottest thing he'll ever get. And he has to hold on to her at all costs. And you know, spun into a psychosis or whatever for him, you know? Well, if somebody really has mental issues or diagnosed mental health issues, that's not something to be trifled with. I don't think it's funny. Like this idea, well, she's hot, but she's crazy. It's a kind of insulting. Not just kind of. (laughs) It's extremely insulting. And also it's insulting to all women, hot, not crazy, insulting to all women. But it's only towards women. It's like crazy cat lady, right? A dude can have cats and be unmarried. And he's just a dude with cats. But then a guy could have poppin' abs and like be model hot and suffer from depression. And nobody says he's like crazy hot. So I got to stick with them. Right? Right. Right. I'm dating this like really depressed model and I want to break up with him. But, you know. Have you seen those abs? (laughs) Yeah. So it's purely <laughs> an insult towards women, right? No, and also no. maybe people don't make the same judgment about men that are crazy because historically men that are crazy like kill their girlfriends. They don't just cry a lot and text too much. I mean that's <laughs> like that's that's- too much. That is symptom of something. <laughs> well, no, like when guys are complaining about a girl being crazy, it's like because they're needy or they yeah 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 stage five clinger <laughs> something right like, yeah is that from swingers is that from swingers? i don't know but people oh that's right I, you don't quote movies damn it okay but well, i've also heard guys say that crazy women are better in bed or something like that why else do they stay with them I don't know if that's true. She's a hellcat. You know, that thing from Raising Arizona. I just quoted another movie that you're not going to remember. Um, so I don't know what the show is about. Um, this has been a lot of fun. I don't know what the fuck we just did for an hour and a half. Uh, there's something to do with a movie. and uh, Right, right, right. Really bad dialogue. And if you want to see more Parasitic Twin movies, there's Basket Case and there's another one called Brothers of the Head basket case okay yeah do you want to hear a description of basket case does it have to do with murder yes it does good yeah then yes 
Let me pull that up. Obviously, you do not have to ask. That's <laughs> what's involved here. Formerly conjoined twin brother seeks vengeance on the doctors who separated them against their will. It's a horror movie? It is a horror movie okay. from 1982. So okay. it may actually seem a lot like Malignant. <laughs> <laughs> was most of it filmed in a warehouse where they just moved the furniture around to make it look like it was a different place? That I don't know. The Dark Half. That's actually a good movie too. It's creepy. The Dark Half. Yeah. Um, I hope we uh, helped y'all make some sense of. No, we didn't help anybody make any sense of anything. No, today. this was a strange episode. I, I'm I'm very sleepy. Becky seems very sleepy. So. I'm literally in the middle. I'm the eye of a storm right now. And she's now, in the eye of a storm, right? Where the calm is right over me. And so whatever's on the other side might be even worse. You might never hear from me again. Yeah, so this episode is not unlike ASMR. If you just like hearing two ladies talking in the background and you find that soothing, this episode will be for you. Maybe you will drift off to sleep. This is like jazz. This episode is like horror jazz or murder so jazz. I'm gonna, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk us out of this episode with ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Please never watch Malignant. But do go. Give us five stars on iTunes. I don't know. You need to practice your ASMR. You always sound like you've got a cold or like you're sick. What do you want me to do? That's my whisper. Both sound like sexier or soothing. No, you're not. They whisper. They just sit there and whisper. In fact, they whisper even quieter. They whisper so quiet. It's really hard to hear. And it makes me want to kill them. I really don't like the way you're doing your ASMR. Stop it. I want to break up with myself. That stuff is Please anyway. do, yeah. So if y'all have not listened to our ASMR episode, it's called Role playing a whispering Teletubby. Go listen to it and laugh your ass off. Yes, but but quietly, not <laughs> and with lots of noises, sensual noises. All right. Well, this has been. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what this has been. I don't have any idea what this is. Of now, we'll this. see y'all next time. Bye. <laughs> bye bye.